Welcome to South Shore Piano, the official podcast of the South Shore Piano School. I'm your host, Jonathan Roberts, and on this podcast, we talk with students, parents, teachers, and other leaders to find out exactly how the arts are changing lives every day. My guest today, I'm super excited about. Her name is Lisa Chin, and when she's not wrangling spreadsheets and taking care of her three young kids. She's a writer and a coach for mothers who recognize, like all of us, they are also a work in progress. Above all, Lisa really values real conversations about motherhood, identity, self-expression, and she believes that community, knowing your truths, and art can help mothers everywhere get grounded in motherhood. Lisa, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So, in music education, one part that often gets kind of left on the sidelines, but is such a huge part of this, is the parents behind that. Everybody who succeeded in music, whether it was 300 years ago or now, there was a parent that made that happen. Because even the most remarkable five or six-year-old needs to have somebody making it all happen, taking the kids to the lessons, paying for it, all that stuff. And often that's sort of the, they're sort of the unsung heroes of all this. And self-care in that is so important we believe, because it's a lot. It was a lot before the pandemic, and now during the pandemic, there's just so much expected of parents, and uh, the self-care component is uh, is really big. So I'm really excited to have you today. Um, so take me back to the beginning. How did your work begin in this um, mothering of mothers? Um, it's a good question. I, I mean, it probably goes back to the womb, but I probably won't go with this so far. <laughs> um, but I would say that when I entered motherhood, it I realized what a different experience I had than other mothers. And I'm Chinese um, and my mom is an immigrant from China. And there's a practice in traditional Chinese culture where you mother the mothers for 30 days. And essentially you're the new mom lays in bed. The, The month, the practice is called sitting the month. So you're literally supposed to sit or lay and everyone else is supposed to do everything else for you. So it's quite the opposite of what Western culture has like the expectations Western culture has for mothers. And yeah. I, I did that for all three kids. My mom came, um, she took care of the cooking. My husband was there and he took care of, you know, we did, they did laundry. They did the cleaning. They, uh, my mom, my, when my husband worked, my mom would be there and she would take care of the baby, um, change the diaper. I mean, I would do that, some of that stuff too. And I would obviously bond with my daughter, but there was so much of the time where she's like, I'm going to, she's sleeping. I'm going to hold her and you can go lay down. And she would yell at me for not laying down because there's this belief that you're um, in Ayurveda, this, the traditional Indian um, system of medicine, they believe that it's the first 40 days for the next 40 years. So the next 40 years of your health and your life are impacted by those first 40 days postpartum. So it's actually, it's this really important part of the initiation into motherhood. And it is really just a microcosm of how the rest of motherhood looks like and has the potential of looking like. And I had that experience. And then when I kind of returned to the the real world, I realized how different that was. And then kind of through my own journey of trying to find my identity as a new mom and just my obsession with learning about myself and about other people, I've realized that that mothers need to be mothered. And in all different types of ways. And my role is to support them in their exploration of their identity and who they are as creators, creatives, artists, 
and to help them put that work out in the world so that they can fully live their life as someone that's not just mom. And if you are a mom and that is your life and and you, and you want it to be, that's fantastic. And if you're, if you feel like there's more to it, then those are the people that I work with. That's so interesting. I had no idea about that with Chinese tradition. That's so cool. And obviously it's not something that we see much in Western culture when it's hard for moms to even get some paid maternity leave, <laughs> let alone 40 days of help with that. So did some, were there any other inspirations that sort of led you to pursue this, this, um, this journey of mothering mothers, or was it just sort of a, an epiphany that you were like, wow, this is an amazing experience now that you've were kind of, I suppose you went through that experience yourself when you were born. Now you're experiencing it in, a, in another way. And then you're kind of seeing other mothers out in the world. Was there anything else that sort of led you in that direction or any other inspirations? I would say there's about a thousand other ones. Um, so my own experience, I was about six months postpartum with my first daughter, with my first, my daughter. Um, and I was driving to an appointment and uh, and I was, I was driving on 93, actually driving south on 93. And I am, um, I'm listening to this podcast and it was, uh, I forget the name of the person, but he does the miracle mornings, Hal Halpern or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking and I don't re- remember exactly what the dialogue was, but there was um, a situation that he, he kind of detailed out with a, a student and her father something like that. And, and it kind of made me think of my dad and then made me think of like motherhood. And it's just like, my brain just bounces from one idea to the next. And then I, and then I, all of a sudden I just asked myself, who am I? And I nearly like drove off the road because I was like so perplexed because I didn't, I didn't realize that I didn't, that even six months later, like I didn't realize I had this whole new identity that I hadn't actually tried to identify like what it was. And so from from then until for about like 16 16 months I kind of went on my year of self-identity that was my word of the year and I literally listened to every podcast took every personality test did everything I could with the lens of trying to answer that question of who am I and then um I it was like 1 a.m or 2 a.m at night one night and I kind of woke up and I was like I know who I am. And it's and my and like kind of my tagline is to live an inspired life. And what I had realized was I'd been living an inspiring life. So a life that was trying to inspire others, but not myself. And so through that, um, through that journey of just exploring who I am, I realized like that's what I want to do. And that's what I kind of seek, have always sought to do, just never verbalized it was to live a life where I'm inspired. And in turn, other people may be or may not be inspired. Um, and then it turns out that Wayne Dyer has a book that's called An Inspired Life. So ah. there's, yeah, I mean, it's not um, not an original thought by any means. And I don't think it's, he, he, he positions it exactly like how I do it, but um, but it's not an original thought. It's just that I realize that that's who I am. And, and that's what I've been doing since that moment where I'm just, I'm pursuing things that really call to me and, and I create around it and I, and I do it unapologetically. That's so inspiring. No pun intended. <laughs> Did you discover any surprises in your journey? This is so interesting to me. Oh, any surprises? Um, I think the biggest surprise for me is always that 
people, not everyone has this level of interest in the self as I do. And mm-hmm. so I, I have a, a few handful of friends that I can kind of share kind of my random discoveries with. And, and then it was, it, it was, I was looking for places and people to talk to. And, and there's not that many because as mothers we're it's almost like a frivolous extra activity. I feel it's so vital to who I am. And, and then I am in other conversations with other people, other moms, and I, and it's hard for me to bring that up because we're so mired in the everyday, the, you right. know, the, the busing kids to, well, before COVID, right. Busing kids to mm. practice like piano practice. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, um, you know, just schedules, meals, laundry, work, um, all of that stuff kind of keeps us so busy that this stuff that I'm trying to put out there is really extra. And um, while, I, while I do feel it's very much vital to our thriving, it's we've, we have become so accustomed and so accepting of just surviving. And right. so it's kind of like what you were saying before, like it, you need more, like mothers just need that support. And, the, and because they're doing the things of getting the, the music musicians to music practice. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that that was probably the biggest surprise for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we work with dozens of parents every every week, and there's everything from the balanced schedule to the seven days a week loaded schedule. So to sort of reflect back on that, would you say that when you started on this journey of self-discovery, I just want to make sure I have it right. So when you when you spoke with other other mothers who are basically like in in the um, mindset of like, go, 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 the idea of like stopping and doing some self-discovery that sort of in looking at it from that mindset seems like it's just sort of this extra fun activity that's not to be taken as seriously as it's all this like sort of self-sacrificial mothering work do I do I have that right yeah I think that it's um I don't know if I would describe it as fun I don't know if other people would describe it as fun it is certainly not as relaxing as you know sitting around and having wine and playing cards sure which I enjoy doing too um but it is I see it as as vital to who we are as mothers and who we are as people, because we will always be mothers. We will always have excuses to continue and do the things, but that's not just who we are. It is like motherhood. Once you enter motherhood, you have this like overlay of you're a mom and it almost feels like you're, you're, you're buckling under that pressure of all the things you need to do as a mom. And I, I just don't think that other people, like I'm finding that other, like some moms just don't have the, just the energy to approach it. And so right. even if they are interested in it, it, there's so many other obligations and, and things that they need to feel like they need to do that are more important. And also it's the idea that, you know, we should be martyrs and that we should be sacrificing ourselves, like you're saying, to do all the things for other people. And I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to change that narrative. I don't think that, I think it's a narrative. I think it's a story that has been made up and it's not necessarily one that was created to serve us. Um, And I think that we very much have the ability to change that if we are willing to do the work. 
Yeah, it definitely seems like a huge piece of emotional labor, even though it sounds like, yeah, I did kind of frivolously use the word fun. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yes, the journey of self-discovery carries with it certainly a lot of emotional labor and uh, it does require time and it, there's lots of other things sort of pulling at us. Might you say that a mother sort of doing that bit of exploration essentially sort of while the culture might think of that as being the sort of frivolous activity. Ultimately, it makes them a, a stronger parent for the kids in the in the long run. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think self awareness is a, a tool that parents absolutely need. The because if you are not self aware, yourself, you can only teach what you know, right? And you can only model what you are. So if you are not self-aware and if you don't practice that, then you can't instill that in your children. And like, granted, I don't, my, my kids are six, three and one. I have no idea if like uh, my level of self-awareness is going to impart anything on them. But that's my goal is that what I'm doing and just the ability to improve myself will make me a better parent. Like for instance, like I'm, 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 I yell at my children. Like I do. And I, not all the time, but when things get really bad, I do. And I'm doing all I can to try to figure out what's triggering me so that I can be a better mom that way. And then in turn, they will be better and happier, not better, but happier kids and feel, you know, more loved. And one of the things that I, um, I learned as, as a mom is that trauma is unavoidable. And, and I was so, focused in the very beginning of not traumatizing my daughter. And, and now with the other two, I'm kind of like, okay, I've, I've settled on the fact that you all will be traumatized because the human experience <laughs> is to be traumatized. Yes. Um, and so that was one thing that I learned like that. It's just that what is the level, what is the level of trauma? And, and I, this is something that I, I'm, I've kind of played it in my mind quite a bit and trying to figure out like, is there like a balance of trauma? That's good. Cause I was, I had a traumatic childhood and, and I didn't even know I had one until I went to a therapist and she's like, Oh, it sounds like you had a traumatic childhood. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It was, it was fine. I'm fine now. And she's like, well, would you want your daughter to have, you know, had the childhood you had? And then I started crying. So I I didn't even realize that that was in me and that, that was, I don't know, but, but at the same time, it's, it has served me so well, I think at least in, in this, because I don't think I'd be the person I am like without what's happened to me. Um, and so it's just, yeah, just something that I, it's a, it's a topic I have explored quite a bit, trying to understand like, is there trauma's going to happen. So <laughs> how can I traumatize in like a beneficial way? <laughs> And not yes. like purposefully, but like, how can I complete the cycles of the trauma that is not good? Like, it really isn't. Um, and then, and then, how is it that some of it is, you know, how is some of it is going to be traumatic? So, how do I support them and give them the tools and the self awareness so that when they're older, they can, as they you know grow and whatnot, um, they have the ability to kind of process that. I don't know. Yeah. Imperfect. Absolutely. No, so much of that resonated with me as as an educator who's been teaching for like two decades now. It seems it seems like a development over time has been that parents are much more 
aware probably isn't the word, but cautious about trying not to traumatize their kids or put their kids through hardships. So there's lots of, um, like, for example, when I was a kid, going to going to middle school was not like a major life event. But now there's like, a, well, let's drop all activities until we get into middle school and then make sure everything's OK. Mm-hmm. And then we'll add some things back in. So it seems like we're kind of going the other direction now with like sort of sugarcoating certain things or um, being maybe just a little overly cautious because we worry that we're going to cause some kind of trauma or negativity. But um, or try not to repeat cycles of what we went through as we were kids. But then as a result of that, they end up facing sort of other hardships because they don't go through the things that we did that made us who we are at the same time. So I I really uh, uh, liked what you said about trying to find that balance of, you know, something's going to happen. They may or may not need therapy later. That's okay. Like, how do we sort of tailor this? So it's like a, would you, would you say healthy hardship is a good, is a good term for that? (laughs) I like the alliteration as well. No. And I think that that is the case too. And I think that, um, the way that I've been trying to think about it, and I don't, this is not something I'm purposely trying to like traumatize my kids, but I think that (laughs) I think what, what are the healthy amounts, right? Like healthy hardship, like what are the healthy amounts of like micro traumas that our kids are going to endure? Like, and, and then, and then the idea is you bring them to completion, right? So I'm not an expert in, in trauma, but my, but the understanding is that, you know, um, when children, experience hardship they there's kind of like an open wound almost Mm -hmm. and then you as the caregiver you have the ability to close that or support them in closing it right and and so that's the idea of like what i'm trying to do is like figure out okay where are the traumas and how can i support them in closing it because we do need a little bit so that we become resilient because resilience doesn't come without hardship. And we're trying to build resilient kids so that when they grow up to be adults, they, they can do all the things that we want them to do and not let failure set them back so badly that they just quit. Right. Um, Or that they make decisions for the wrong reasons because they're so afraid of failure. And that, that is a big it's not a professional focus of mine, but it's definitely as a mom, it's something that I try to keep in mind as I'm, I'm going through all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And what resonated with me there was that idea of resilience. And I never thought of using the word trauma, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll use that word more often because what we, what, what so often happens, like a reason that so many students quit music is they, they hit that point of where it, it's, you know, not, we, we reach, they reach the hard parts and it doesn't feel quite as fun and easy. And sometimes parents will see that and then sort of not wanting their kid to go through some sort of um, pushing through the hard parts or going through the not as fun parts. They'll immediately think about pulling the plug or changing the approach or doing the quote unquote more fun stuff. And then they never really sort of experience what resilience is. So like you were touching before, I think it's that balancing act, but we certainly don't want to just say, okay, we're going to make sure you never go through any hardship whatsoever so that you're, because then they'll just have issues later on. Yeah. And I think above all, like when you're, when you're saying that as a, as a parent, like, you know, your child best. So you, you need to understand that you like the decision that you're making is in their best interest. And so if you feel like it really isn't serving them, then pull them out. But if you're right. afraid, right, afraid of it harming them or afraid that they have too much on their plate, give them the words, right? Give them the words to communicate that and give them the, the signals 
you know, that they, um, that they can have to, so that they can say, Hey, th- Hey mom, dad, this is too much for me. I, I don't think I can actually do this or help them map it out, give them tools that they can actually use so that it's not just one time it's too much for them, but it's not gonna be the first time they're gonna have too much on their plate. Right. Then they can have the ability to tell you what it is that, that you know, what's actually the matter. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So tell me a little bit more about the work that you do with other mothers. So if somebody connects with you and wants to work with you or be coached by you, um, tell me about some of that work. Sure. So it is definitely a work in progress. I'm, it is an open-ended conversation. So the way that I see it is that if you are a mom who is in the throes of motherhood and and I have conversations where it's just a little bit of everything. It's not like there's one set thing that I focus on. Um, I hold space. So we don't, as mothers, we don't have, like, <laughs> I was thinking about this last night, we don't have physical space. Like I literally am sandwiched between two children um, <laughs> at nighttime. <laughs> and, you know, even going to the bathroom, like there's no knock on the door. They just barge in. Right. Um, and then in a mental space, right? Like we don't have that, that ability, not ability, that offering for us to just sit and ponder and work through things. And so this is what I do is I offer an opportunity to kind of explore okay, what is going on in your life and how can I support you in that? And so it could be something like I, I'm trying to, um, build a business and I'm, I'm finding, you know, that there's a lot going on and I'm trying to balance that. And also it's just not, this isn't just feeling right for me. And what I love doing is just kind of unpacking all that with the client and supporting them in identifying where the actual issues are. And so often overwhelmed from life feeds into all of the other, into our work. Um, and so that's part of it. Part of it is just unpacking. And then um, another thing that I do is I really love, I have a back, I have a degree in business and I've okay. worked for, I don't know how many years now uh, on the corporate side. Hmm. Um, and so we, so my background is in marketing and operations and strategy and, and all of that stuff. And I love, I mean, I've done more um, studying on business post-grad than I did like in school. Um, so I, another thing that I do is I support moms who are, who want to do work that is valuable to them and finding, figuring out how to create that work, whatever it is, helping them identify what it is that is in line with who they are. And so it really ultimately starts with their truths and understanding what it is that resonates with you deep within what you know, not just what you believe, but like for me, beliefs are something that have been molded and shaped by our experiences. Our truths are just what we know with all that stripped away. Um, And so that's a really important exercise for moms. I think of any sort of position, whether you're working, whether you're staying at home, whether you volunteer a lot, whether you're an empty nester. I mean, I think it's just 
because because that creates your foundation of who you are and that is your north star as you're making all the decisions whether it's in work or life and whether you're trying to decide if it makes sense to to add this other thing to your list of things to do or if you're trying to have a conversation with your partner about you know x y and z does that where and it's not working like where where is that falling and and are you speaking from your truth or not um so it's a little bit of a mixed bag i'm definitely still refining my offerings at this moment but at the core of it are the truths and you can find my truths on my website and it's something that i wrote and created about five years ago now and they still stand true they um and i I like to go through this practice with, um, with a client where it's like, okay, say something true about yourself. Like my name is Jonathan. And then you feel it in your body and, and you practice that enough times where you, where you're just, when you're speaking and you're saying something that you know is true, you see where in your body it's reacting and it's different for everybody. And so for me, Um, I kind of have kind of almost like a glowing in my chest, a tightness in my throat. Um, if I'm speaking about something that's really like edgy, like my voice will kind of start shaking and I kind of have a little bit of a tightness in my belly. Um, and so all of that kind of is an indicator to me of whether I'm on the right track or not. And so that is just a tool that I think we can all use as we're kind of going through our day to day and say, does this really make sense for me? Um, so yeah, there's a lot that kind of, I guess that goes into that, but I think that ultimately if we can get our truths down, that will inform, um, kind of the three pillars that I'm working with motherhood identity, and then self-expression. Yeah. I, I especially like that, that idea of practicing listening to your body as you say things, I'm going to try that. That's really cool. Cause I think as you were saying that, I was thinking that so many of us and it's so many parents, especially with the sort of pressure to do lots of activities and checking in what everybody else is doing, it's easy for us to sort of tell ourselves like, yeah, we can add this or we can add that. But I feel like the act of actually saying that out loud and paying attention to what your body says, like, you know, yeah, we can do that. Like, and then you find yourself mm-hmm. with like a seven day a week schedule that nobody, you know, <laughs> even a CEO yeah. wouldn't want that yes. kind of a thing. Uh, that's so interesting. So I, I'm imagining that everybody has their own sort of unique journey when they when they work with you. But I'm curious, aside from the sort of culture and sort of breaking, not breaking free of it, but just sort of thinking outside the box with it. Are there any other trends that you've noticed about sort of what gets mothers excited about sort of stepping into their fullness um, or any challenges or just any other trends? Hmm. Trends. I think that the people who are coming from an area of truth, they become a bit more daring. Okay. And they are willing to kind of put themselves out there a bit more. Yeah. Um, because it, in, in this like cancel culture, you know, um, and in this world where, where social media is king, right. Or queen right. and, and, what we see is so surface level. It's, I think it's really hard for, for a lot of people to kind of put themselves out there and say, Hey, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm working on. Or this is, I mean, I think about like 
about like the closeted artist moms who uh-huh. are like, oh, I want to draw and I want to do this. And then they don't um, and they don't or right. they do, but it's kind of just a little bit. And then they kind of put themselves down and they're like, oh, this isn't really good or this isn't art. This is just a, a doodle. And in the in the and the moms who can kind of fully realize who they are, they're okay with rejection. They're okay with like putting themselves out there and they're, and they're not there to compare. I mean, that's all, I mean, comparison is like within all of us, right? Like that's not something we can avoid, but it is also recognition like, Oh, Hey, I'm comparing myself again. Like, does this actually make sense? And probably doesn't. And I'm going to stop doing that because this is who I am. And that person is not who I am. So the, that is actually the most exciting thing because that's where conversation happens. That's where like real connection and real conversations happen because I have been in circles with mothers where the conversations are very surface level. And, and sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need to just like, ugh, veg out, you know, just word vomit, just get it all out. And like all the stuff that's kind of bothering us. But then because we don't have that space, we don't have enough time to get deeper. It could be as once that once all those words are gone, then you're kind of left with silence and silence is where the magic happens. Like I, I love being in conversations where I can just sit there and listen. And then when the person, when the person is like done talking, I just sit there a little bit more. And then that's where like the real stuff comes out. And we don't have that. We don't have the ability. We don't have that time and space to come out with that. And also I do think that it's a fear, you know, a fear of looking like a bad mom um, right. or a bad friend or a bad wife or a bad partner or whatever it may be. I think there's this fear that what we're doing is not what everyone else is doing. So it's scary and we don't want to put ourselves out there because we only have so much time to create relationships. And what if this one thing that I share ruins it or makes them not like me as much? I mean, it's so like high school too. <laughs> right. But it, it is, I mean, it, we don't, um, we have such transient relationships now, right? Like I, I always go back to like when we were truly in a village, in a community, and we had these lifelong relationships those fractures could happen and then you come back again. Right. And in this culture, we, A, we just aren't living in those conditions. Um, so the people we know, we may have known only for a couple of years and we've only seen them a handful of times. Sure. And we can still call them a friend because that's like, it fits the label in this in this day and age. Um, but it's really scary when you're like, oh, I want to say this one thing to them. like. Like it could something about maybe like their, their child that you've noticed, right? Like I've, I've noticed this about your child and I really want to tell you, but I'm really afraid. And, it, and it's coming from the, the best place, but I'm really afraid that this is going to cause a, a fracture in our relationship. And I think that um, that's, that's really sad that we can't have those real conversations. And I think that the more, moms who know themselves, know their truths, know their place, and know that 
a, someone else's reaction is not a reflection of them, of, of the mom, but the other person, the person having the reaction, right. you know, different tools like that is gives us the ability to break out a bit and, and have those real conversations. Cause that's really what I'm, I'm missing like myself, like in circles of just, I want to be able to connect with people and I want to be able to talk about, you know, one time I was with a group of moms and I said, what was your first job? Like, just curious. Um, because I, that will never have, that will never come up naturally in conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to know, because I think it, it will tell me something about you. And, And I remember like those really interesting tidbits, you know, one of my friends in my neighborhood, like she used to read the dictionary as a kid. And I think that that's like the, coolest thing ever and i'll remember that for the rest of my life because it's such a it's that's that's something that tells me so much about who she is and that that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for people who want to discover more of that and and are willing to share those stories about themselves absolutely that's so powerful and so inspiring so if somebody's listening to this podcast right now they're a mom. They're doing it day in, day out. And we've established uh, earlier that if a mom, if a mom is is happy with that, content with that, then that's that's awesome. That's great. But if there's a mom listening that feels like they're kind of you know going through the cycles day in, day out, and they're they're wanting something more, and they're wanting to step into themselves or discover something about themselves they may have have not found yet. Um, we're going to include, we'll include the a link to you, of course, uh, in the show notes, but what's a, what would you recommend as a sort of a first step, uh, to a mom in that position, kind of looking to, to branch out and step into themselves a little bit more? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that the, the one thing that I would love every mom to do is to create. So figure out what your format of self-expression is and do that. So it it could be that you like making, you know, meals really pretty and delicious. It could, and, and Hey, that's amazing. Right. Um, just because you're a mom and you cook doesn't mean that I'm trying to think of the best way of saying that I'm not, um, a lot of moms cook and, but not, but not all moms see that as a form of art. And right. like, I, I will never see it as a form of art. I will just put it on the table and it's there. And I mean, I want people to like what I'm, I'm feeding them, but it's not like yes. I need to make it look pretty and, and all of that. Um, there's a different part of the process that I enjoy. So I think it, like, if that's your form of self-expression and, and your form of putting yourself out there, like do it, do something every day. Or like, if you're a writer um, or if you're an artist, uh, I was talking to a mom who she she's has a background in art therapy, but she's an artist. And I said, well, what if you just took like a post-it and and just drew on a post-it every day? It doesn't have to like because the thing is, we think we have to go big all the time. Right. We have to get a huge canvas and fill it all up. Like what if your canvas is a one by one inch piece of paper? How I mean, it'd be super easy to fill in. A, so you don't need to spend a lot of time, but you can start by the, by the 10th time, you're going to start getting pretty creative about it. And, um, this year I'm engaging, as you know, in a daily blog practice. And when I first started doing it, I knew that I would get bogged down with just trying to do it, do go big with it, do a lot of words, write a lot of words, write a lot of thoughts. And so I gave myself the constraint of a hundred words. It made me more creative. Now, now my blogs are a little longer, but the, but the initial um, constraint of that 
it made it doable for me. And then it also, it, but it also made me be a bit more creative too. And, and it kind of cut out the extraneous parts that, you know, I could have left in and it would have it just, it was only adding like incrementally to my message. Um, if you are, uh, like if you have a background in dance and like your, your body is how you express yourself, then find, you know, two minutes a day, put on whatever music it is that you want to dance to and, and do it. I mean, or if it's, or if you want to like, maybe it's just choreographing the idea and mapping it out. Like, I just think it's so important that we, we feed that part of ourselves because we're all creative beings. And, and I also think of when we are, when we're, you know, 40, 50, I don't 40, around 50 ish. I could probably when the kids are out of the house and we are left to ourselves and maybe our partners, if we have them and our pets. Yes. <laughs> um, and then we, we don't know what to do to fill our times. Like, I don't think that because we are mothering it, if we want, if we want to, I don't think that we should stop feeding the, our creative cells and Absolutely. the cells of like the parts of us that wanted, that would make us feel more fulfilled. I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I see my mom having sacrificed so much, like coming to a new country and, and doing all that. And I, and I, I want quite the opposite for myself. I want to be able to, to be who I am and show my children that they can be who they are. And so it's, it's just important if you can to find that time each day. And that's something that I'm happy to kind of brainstorm with moms is to figure out what can that daily practice be? Because it may not be quite obvious to you. Um, you may not think that you're an artist or that you have any sort, sort of form of self-expression, um, but ultimately we all do. It's just a matter of uncovering it or revealing it and then kind of, and then owning it, owning that process. I love it. I love it that it comes back to this idea of a practice. There's one thing we've been putting out in the blog and in the YouTube channel, all that stuff is that even though a lot of our work revolves around piano and music practice, pretty much all of life is some kind of practice. Like you're practicing your relationships, you're practicing, you know, it might be, it might be something like writing or it might be practicing learning, becoming a better learner. And with, with music, it's so easy to fall into that trap of like, well, I just don't have time. And then mm -hmm. like the weeks, at, le at least I find with me, whenever I take a break from some kind of practice, it seems like time suddenly like speeds up. And then I find that six months pass by and I didn't start on some kind of project. So just, I love this idea that you were talking about that, you know, anybody can start small, even if it's just like one minute, even the busiest person can find like one or two minutes a day. And just starting from there, I, I love it. Well, when you say that, I also think that what we forget is that motherhood is a practice. Parenting is a practice. Uh, and it's, we, we have never done this before. Right. <laughs> and also it's rare nowadays to have seen it done as an adult, right? Like we don't have a lot of peers where we can just kind of go on the inside or maybe not peers, but just people a little older than us to kind right. of observe what they're doing and learn. And definitely, and that's why parenting is such a big industry because we're all just practicing and we feel insecure in it. And I think that it's important that we all recognize that and we give ourselves a grace in that process 
and to know that we also have the ability to shape it for what we are. There's yeah. not one person who's done it before that the way that you've, you're going to do it. They, no one else has had your children. And right. so, <laughs> and so, you know, you, I think, you know, there's like, we may feel like imposters as parents because it's like, who are we to be, to be bringing these children into this world and trying to show them what to do when we feel right. like children ourselves half the time. And it's, it's really vital that parents and moms, we, we recognize that in ourselves and, and that grace carries over in all areas of our lives. It's not just in parenting, but I think parenting is, there's so much pressure nowadays and so much pressure to get it right or else you're going right. to ruin the child forever. And, and some of my truths actually are centered around that idea that um, our children are kind of chose like, I, well, my, my truth is I chose this life and I, and, um, and I believe that our children kind of choose theirs in a way, like we can only do so much. There are certain things that I believe they, that are going to happen to them, whether we, whether we want it to or not, and however much we may prevent it from happening. Um, so yeah, it's just a balance of all of that, but I think it's just important that we all recognize everything is a practice Yes, and we give ourselves a grace in, in all those areas. Absolutely. Now, somebody is listening to this and they want to connect with you either through your content or if they want to work with you, uh, where can they find you? So my website is lisaforreal.com, L-I-S-A-F-O-R-R-E-A-L. Um, and it's that's where my writing is. Um, you can email me at lisa at lisaforreal.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at Reclaiming Motherhood and I'm on Facebook as well, but um, Instagram might be the best place. For you and you can also message me there all right terrific we'll put all of those links in the show notes for this episode thank you so much lisa for being on the podcast today this is such inspiring and applicable uh conversation that i think really applies to uh you know mothers and fathers and pretty much anybody <laughs> listening to the podcast so much powerful stuff thank you for being on the podcast today thank you jonathan and thank you so much to our listeners out there. Again, this is South Shore Piano, the official podcast of the South Shore Piano School. I'm the host, Jonathan Roberts, and on this podcast, we talk with students, parents, teachers, and other leaders like Lisa to find out how music education and the arts are changing lives every day. If you enjoyed this episode, do hit the subscribe button on the podcasting app of your choice, or if you're checking out the YouTube video, hit the subscribe button and the bell so that you're among the first to find out about new episodes as they're released. We release new episodes every Monday and Friday. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.